0: I'm so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard show where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so that you can pack a punch in your wallet. I want you to learn ideas so you can keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our main website. Clark.com slash ask is where you go to post a question for me and also you can get advice off the air and that's available 45 hours a week. I want to tell you that we are are backed up and having trouble getting to calls as quickly as we'd like off the air because of the aftermath of the Equifax data breach and we will continue to give you the information as you need it on the breach. I'm learning from the questions people are asking me what you need to know to more easily be able to laser focus on what moves you should be making. And so at Clark.com, we have continuous updates for you, continuing, continuous, I guess both work, of the information you need to know on the data breach. And I want to tell you that I know people all over America are having trouble freezing their credit with Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian right now, that the systems are crashing And remember, this data breach is going to affect you the rest of your life. The information was so thorough from Equifax that just relax. If you got to wait another couple of weeks to get credit freezes in place, things will have settled down a little bit. Do it then rather than frustrate yourself if you're having trouble with responsiveness from the uh, servers of any of the three major credit bureaus. But when you're ready to freeze it, I have the action buttons for each bureau that you just click on from my credit freeze guide at Clark.com, and as long as their side is working, you'll be able to freeze your credit very quickly. Coming up later, I want to talk about proposed legislation that will give multi-level marketing organizations exemption from oversight. This is unbelievable, and that's why it's Clark-rageous. They could be running a pyramid, and nobody's going to be a cop on the beat. And later this hour, I'm going to talk about what is now available as relief from lenders for people who have suffered in the aftermath of Harvey and Irma. I'm going to tell you how that works, how it works for natural disasters generally, then how it works specifically in the case of Harvey and Irma. Now, somebody who's having a Cat 5 disaster today is Toys R Us. Toys R Us bankrupt, and I know the news reports are talking about Toys R Us going bankrupt because they don't have an effective strategy to deal with Amazon, and that is not what this is about at all. The problems is that Toys R Us are self-inflicted. Toys R Us was operated by three big, owned by three big private equity players that piled $5 billion in debt onto Toys R Us, not to invest in stores, not to buy inventory for Babies R Us or Toys R Us. No, it was just so that they could use borrowed money to take control of Toys R Us. And Toys R Us was trying to operate a business with two hands behind its back. And so Toys R Us also faces the fact that their real threat is from Walmart and Target. That is, you move past Labor Day each year, Walmart and Target dramatically expand the number of shelf space, square footage in their stores devoted to toys. The period of time from now through Christmas is when most toys each year are obviously sold because of the Christmas toy extravaganzas and so they can't compete on price with Walmart or Target and that's those two things in combination not being able to compete with their arch competitors for Christmas shopping Walmart and Target and then the fact that they had this five billion dollars in debt that's why they filed for bankruptcy And Toys R Us says in its release that they expect to be able to honor gift cards. Uh, I should read the wording exactly because you can tell the lawyers were involved. But anyway, they um, uh, expect to – oh, here we go. We expect – To continue honoring return policies, we expect to continue honoring warranties, and we expect to continue honoring gift cards. (laughs) Expect. In other words, we would love to, but here's the fact. The bankruptcy court judge will decide if they are going to be allowed to honor the outstanding gift cards, and if things purchased prior to what's known as pre-petition, if you bought something, it doesn't it doesn't work. You know, you bought something, babies are us, and it doesn't fit. Or you bought a toy, and it doesn't work, or whatever. The court will decide whether you will have a right to return it for a refund, because the existing store policies ended the second they filed for bankruptcy. There's an expectation that the courts, and they normally do, but they don't always, will allow for reasonable return rights, and also for honoring of gift cards purchased pre-petition. But here's what you need to know. Retailing is very unstable right now, and buying gift cards is very dicey. If, as we approach Christmas, you don't know what to buy somebody, follow my rule. I don't care how wrong you feel it is, how crass How cold when you don't know what to give somebody, give them cash. Cash. Cash doesn't go bad when a store goes bankrupt. And then it can be used for any purpose that individual wants. And if it feels cold and impersonal, buy a gift, buy a a greetings card. And if you go to Dollar Tree, you can buy those for as little as 50 cents and write them a nice note and enclose the cash in it think about that and Rachel oh, and if in fact you have a gift card as soon as the court says you can use it you should and Rachel is with us Rachel prior to the filing of Toys R Us in fact the day before they filed you tried to use a gift card and what were you told
1: Um, I went to my local Toys R Us store, yes, to use a gift card with my son, and there was a small sign on the register when we got up there that said they weren't accepting gift cards. Well, she said it was due to a technical difficulty, so if I wanted it, I would have to pay. (laughs) So I didn't think much of it at the time, you know, a little annoyed, but okay, I paid for my purchase and thought, she said it should be fixed, you know, within the next couple days. Well, and then when I got home, I was checking my emails, and I, the story popped up about them possibly declaring bankruptcy. So it got me thinking. I went to their Facebook page, and lo and behold, there was other posts from around the country about people. They're not accepting gift cards either, that had happened to other people.
0: Well, I can only so, guess what happened is they were trying to preserve cash, mm-hmm. that people would come in trying to use gift cards, and would end up saying well we're already here we'll just use the gift card later and bought mm-hmm. things for cash did you do that or do you just leave the toys r us store
1: well no i had my son with me which it got me thinking too they probably know that I mean, I'm not going to say no. You've got kids with you, so I paid for my purchase and thought I'd use the gift card later. And that's so, exactly
0: yeah. what I what I think was. Uh, I mean, I can't read inside the minds of the executive team of Toys R Us, but I would, uh, I would guess that's a logical thing that uh, you did exactly what they wanted you to do. Mm-hmm. But I am expecting, unless the the judge overseeing the bankruptcy court does not approve their plan for continuing to operate, that the gift card that you could not use prior to the bankruptcy will be valid again, at least for mm. a period of time. And oh. in our briefing at Clark.com on the Toys R Us filing, as soon as uh, the there is a decision by the bankruptcy court judge, we'll pop up on when those cards become live again oh okay so i i wouldn't look at all hope lost
1: okay so you just you have to i guess just wait and yeah see
0: you and have see. to wait and okay. i tried to find online when a hearing is going to be held and i could not find information on the hearing and there were wow. there were rumors for the last week that they were going to file and i expected them to file the last weekend because most often, bankruptcy filings seem to happen of big companies on the weekend, and then it was delayed a day. And so it's, it's not like they haven't had time to plan this if it's been an open secret they were filing. So okay. their intention is to keep operating, and their intention is to honor the gift cards. So um, I would tell you, give it a couple of days, and I bet it will become real money. And the second I tell you it's real money, Go buy something at the store. (laughs) Okay. Okay? Great. Thank you. And I'm sorry that they put you through that, and that's really sneaky, ugly, when a store knows they're in trouble and stops honoring their gift cards pending a bankruptcy filing That's that's not proper, and it points out again how inferior gift cards are to cash which i've been saying forever and i'd rather not be proven right because i don't want people to end up with gift cards that turn to dust robert is with us on the clark howard show hi robert how are you i'm good clark robert you have a question for me concerning the steps that i've told people that will make them as safe as possible from the equifax hack or as people are referring to it the Equa hack Yeah, uh, my question is, if I freeze my credit, what is to prevent someone who has stolen my information from unfreezing it and taking over again? Right. So you're issued a secret code that is not uh, in public records anywhere, that you're issued a different secret code by each of the credit bureaus. And don't lose that secret code. A criminal, if they go attempt to buy something as if they're you and they're locked out because your credit's frozen, with 143 million people's information that's out there, they're going to go the path of least resistance. Unless there's something about you they know that you, Robert, have more money than Warren Buffett or something, unless they're just looking at you as a prime target to go after, if they hit that roadblock that your credit's frozen, they're just going to go on to somebody else. Okay. So if why would they bother? I mean, they've got information on, let's say, I'm someone who goes on the dark web and I buy the personal information of a 1,000 people. Most of those 1,000 are not going to take necessary precautions and are going to remain exposed. If you have taken precautions what you've done is you put up enough barriers that you're not worth the trouble for that identity thief. Okay, thank you. Sure, and so far, knock on wood, and a listener told me at some point what that expression means. I forgot (laughs) the explanation. But anyway, so far, even with the vulnerabilities of Equifax's pen system, there's been no reports that criminals have hacked in to the pens for credit freezes and again I think it's because why bother they've got such a wide open target already with all the information they have on people just to summarize really quickly they have your birth date your prior addresses your current address your social security number for many people they have driver's license numbers for a smaller number they have credit card number and numbers and this is as bad as it could possibly be And the worst part is because Equifax was negligent and hadn't patched known vulnerabilities in their databases. Today's Clark-rageous moment is one of those things I just shake my head at. Multi-level marketing organizations, MLMs, where you are recruited into an organization and then the person who recruited you gets commissions off of you and then you recruit other people, you get commissions off of them, what's called your downline, your upline, your who knows what line. And this has been an area so ripe for abuse with people who set up what are supposedly sales organizations but are just pyramids, illegal games of chance. I am stunned about a new report from the New York Post about some dirty dealings going on in the US House. I'm going to tell you about in today's Clark Rage. Scams, ripoffs, outrages. It's a Clark Rage's moment. Okay, so <laughs> do you know what a rider is? It's when there's a big bill going through the Congress, and then someone adds in like a sentence that has nothing to do with anything about the bill that the members of the House or Senate are debating, and in a big House spending bill that was such a sentence tacked on that would outlaw the federal government from investigating complaints about pyramid schemes that if a multi-level marketing organization is actually not engaged in really selling products or services to strangers, which is the test I always give you when you're considering joining a multi-level, the federal government will no longer be able to do anything to prevent people's money from being stolen by a criminal enterprise. They won't even be able to name it as an illegal enterprise. Now, fortunately, this is out there before the whole House votes, before it ever goes to the Senate, and it's important that light always be shined on darkness. But how unbelievable that special interests in the MLM field are trying to be above the law. Welcome to the Clark Howard Show, where you learn ways to save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off clark.com is our main website clarkdeals.com is where you go to save money our deal diggers hard at work seven days a week looking for bargains for you many times really obscure bargains I'm like how did you find that I couldn't have found that that's how good our deal diggers are and of course we have deal di- we have a uh, Uh, Clark Deals newsletters, if you want to just have a reminder in your inbox, hey, there's this deal, this deal, this deal. All that, of course, is free, which makes it an ultimate Clark deal. Mm -hmm. I, after spending three days in Florida doing radio and television coverage of the hurricane that hit Florida so hard, one of the questions I was asked by Floridians was very similar to the ones I've not unfortunately been to Texas yet, owing Harvey, but it paralleled exactly with questions we've had from people in Texas, which is what do you do if you need money and you have bills, you owe a mortgage, you owe a car loan, you owe personal loans, whatever, and The reality is a lot of people aren't going to be able to make those payments. So the federal government, which backs roughly 90-some-odd percent of mortgages in the country, has put out an advisory to mortgage companies, telling them what they expect from the mortgage lenders. And in any area that's been declared a federal disaster area, you are eligible for forbearance on your mortgage. And what that means is you won't be reported as late to a credit bureau. You won't get hit with late fees. The payment eventually is due, but you are allowed time, and the federal directive says for up to 12 payments. Up to. Now, banks so far are interpreting the up to is, let's be as stingy and mean-spirited as we can be. And shame on you, Mr. and Ms. Banker, if with the hardship people are suffering, you're going to play rough and tumble and interpret the federal guidance as meanly as you possibly can. Now, I've noticed that lenders are moving more towards three months as a period of time that you will have. And by the way, we had a call from someone, which day was that, that their lender had said that they could have three months, but that all the money would be due for those three months on the day the fourth payment was due. The federal guidance says, no, no, no. Your mortgage lender is required to allow you to make up the payments with a payment plan. And so know that lenders, when you call and you talk to customer no service at a bank, they're going to read you by rote off their computer, what the bank says the policy is. Do not accept that if you need more time. If you've been unemployed over for an extended period of time and you need more than three months, you need to push for that. And one of the ways you do it is file a complaint against your bank at consumerfinance.gov. And I want the banks to think about this. You and I as taxpayers saved the banks. We weren't asked to save the banks, but we saved them last decade. And we collectively lent the banks trillions of dollars. And remember, every trillion is $1,000 billion. There were a couple of individual banks that we gave $1.5 trillion to those individual banks. $1,500 billion dollars. Now we have people who've suffered the banks. That was a man-made disaster. That was a scandal. Nobody's gone to prison. Now we've had a natural disaster that has brought real meaningful hardship to people. Behave yourself and be flexible and careful and be good to these people. The guidelines say up to a year if somebody needs that. They've lost everything. Give them that year. And although there is no specific guidance I've seen from the feds about car loans and other loan products, you should ask for forbearance as needed on those things as well. And one of the reasons that you're going to need maybe more time than you might have thought is there's a severe shortage of adjusters in the insurance industry adjusters are working 98 hours a week think about that if you work a standard 40 hour week adjusters are working two and a half times that the average adjuster is away from home working 14 hours a day seven days a week no downtime at all barely getting any sleep and there just flat out aren't enough of them to get to people on a timely basis. So that's why it's going to take longer for people to recover than normal because having back-to-back Category 5 storms, one of them hit the U.S., I guess it was a four by the time it hit the mainland U.S. Anyway, these were massive catastrophic events and it's going to take a while for people to be back to normal jamie is with us on the clark howard show hello jamie hello how are you doing i'm doing well how are you good good don't you wish living in oklahoma that you had a few days warning when one of those tornadoes is barreling through
2: Yes, that would be nice. We we actually have an incredible weather system, and they'll tell us several days out that there's a possibility of severe storms. But, you know, obviously they don't know the day of where they're dropping.
0: And uh, anybody who I talked to when I was doing coverage um, for TV and radio in Joplin after the EF5 tornado hit there, I mean, people just, when they would talk about it, they had that what's called as a survivor's stare where you'd be talking to them, but they were looking past you often to never, never land because it was so debilitating to them. So you be careful. Do you have one of those, um, what do you call those storm things you go to? The little safe rooms buried under the ground? Oh, gone. Hope there's there's no storm going on. Vanish right on me right there. Well, hopefully we'll get you back. Courtney's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Courtney. Hello. Courtney, (laughs) that's so weird. I was just talking about tornadoes. You want to talk about the after effects of the hurricane. Which one hit St. John of the two? Hurricane
3: Irma hit St. John, um, and Hurricane Maria is unfortunately right behind her.
0: Okay. And you have... A trip booked to Saint John, which uh, is—I heard—I don't know if this is accurate. Everyone was evacuated from Saint John. I've heard that
3: too, and uh, yes, that's correct. I do have a vacation villa booked on the island of Saint John um, for January of 2018, and um, I paid a deposit equal to about half of the total booking fee. But you know, as we've seen in the in the in the media, the island has been just devastated by Hurricane Irma. So, um, due to that extreme devastation and anticipating that the recovery will take months, I mean, if if not years, I contacted the owner of the villa and the vacation rental platform and also my credit card company, and they all said that this particular villa is actually still intact. And so, but the island is not intact. And that's, that's my point. I, and they're, they're saying that we're still on the hook for the contract because this particular villa is still standing. Um, so my question is if you can explain the risk to consumers who book vacation rentals in areas that are prone to hurricanes and um, severe weather such as this.
0: And even if you had purchased travel insurance, depending on the travel insurance policy you would have purchased, you may or may not have been covered for this kind of circumstance but I mean a vacation is a special thing you would have paid big money to go on this trip and to tell you to go somewhere that's a disaster zone and is going to go through a rebuild that may take years is just silly so the the site that you booked with go ahead and name the site now I'm just curious
3: Um, I booked through Flipkey, which is a subsidiary of TripAdvisor.
0: Okay. And Flipkey's position is, well, the property's still there, so we're not going to help you.
3: Kind of, yeah. They're deferring back to the owner. They're like, well, this is what the owner's cancellation policy says, and the owner's not willing to you know, um, refund our deposit at this time. Um, So they're kind of just sort of like, that's how it is. And Visa sort of took the same approach.
0: All right, so let me tell you where we are on this. this. This was down our list, and actually it still is right now because it's off-season, but we are planning to talk to HomeAway VRBO, Airbnb. We'll add FlipKey, which was not on my list to check with, and we're going to see how each of them are approaching what they're going to do about a vacation bookings that people have in damaged locales okay and so it is it is up to the booking services to either shrug their shoulders or have some form of accommodation and i i would as a reasonable rational person i would tell you even though i love to go anywhere i I love travel right I just love it, Mm -hmm. but to go somewhere that when you're going to an island paradise, and it's a fantasy, it's a getaway, and to go somewhere that's seen massive destruction seems really silly, and to hold you to a deposit you've paid seems mean-spirited for the owner, so we're going to get back with you, and we're also going to talk to the various booking services, and... Uh, see what they're going to do or they're going to just kind of wash their hands of it because that is not acceptable behavior in my opinion becky's with us on the Clark. uh, becca i'm sorry becca's with us on the clark howard show hello becca hi becca you're trying to decide if you should get a new vehicle or new to you what's the scoop
2: okay so we're looking for new to us vehicles My husband has a 99 truck that is working just fine, but will need to be replaced eventually. And we've been told in the industry has a lot of great trade in value. Um, We also have a midsize vehicle that is also great. Both cars are paid off, but we're toying with the idea of maybe upgrading the truck now for an electric or hybrid vehicle um, pay that off quickly, and then maybe upgrade the midsize vehicle to a minivan since our family is going to be growing very soon. Um, okay, so you are should... brilliant
0: beyond measure.
2: Oh, okay. okay.
0: <laughs> um, because the truck market is even stronger than it was before because of the aftermath of Harvey. Now, whether a 99 truck's going to bring much, I can't say, but the hybrid market. Is in the toilet, hybrid and electric, because of how cheap gasoline has been lately. Right. So you can get a great deal on new or used hybrids, but the real deal in the marketplace is used Nissan Leafs.
2: Right, and that's what we've been looking at. Um... Eight,
0: nine, ten thousand dollars, right in that range for one that doesn't have a lot of miles on it. Will the right. range so, work for you, though? Because the range on the LEAF is not that great.
2: That's that's what I've been hearing. So there's kind of two parts to, to doing that scenario. Is one, um, right now my husband's truck is just a work vehicle, so I priced out as much information as I could get, and it looks like if we were to purchase a LEAF, we would save about $400 in a year, and I'm not sure if that is economical because if I had eight, nine, or $10,000, would that maybe be better put to paying off my student loans, which would be at a much higher interest rate?
0: And then your husband would keep driving the 99 truck?
2: No, no, no. So we would, yes, we would trade in the truck maybe next year as opposed to buying a leaf now well if we i mean if the, the truck, truck
0: is still working fine and you're sitting there with high interest student loans am i ever going to argue with that
2: <laughs> no no and see that's the point is the only reason like we were we're thinking like we're a year or 18 months or even more out from doing anything in a hurry but um it, it was either trade in both cars one for an electric and then one for a van or trade in the truck for a van, and then use what we would have bought on an electric to pay off the student loans.
0: I'd say option two. That was like door number one, door number two. Door number two. Just switch out one vehicle and take the money that would have gone towards the Nissan Leaf and pile it into the student loans. That would be the smartest switch for you to do. It's Ask Clark time. That's where you post a question on clark.com. Producer Joel asks it. Clark, we got a couple questions about Equifax here from some no, of our listeners. No, no, questions about Equifax. Surprise, surprise, right? So Joan wrote in, she said, my husband passed away last year. Oh, do, sorry about the loss of your husband. She wants to know, do I have to worry about freezing his credit? No, there's, as best I'm aware of, there is no procedure for freezing the credit file of a deceased individual, and there I'm, I'm not aware of any reason why that would be necessary. Okay. That's good, yeah. Sorry about that loss. All right, Joe wrote, and he says, thanks for all your coverage on this Equifax mess. I just have one suggestion. I did credit freezes before trying to set up the Credit Karma account. However, Credit Karma doesn't seem to let me to set set up an account on frozen reports. Can you make that clear? Yes. So that's why, and I guess we need to amp up even more the emphasis that on the credit freeze information I have following the Equifax breach, that- I want you to do things in this order. Number one, set up a Credit Karma dashboard where once, if you set it up before you've frozen your credit, then once your credit's frozen, you have access continually to your credit files. But if you've frozen first, you can't set up a Credit Karma dashboard, and then you lose the ability to monitor your credit for free in perpetuity. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. I appreciate you spending part of your day with us here on the Clark Howard Show. I want you to know that if you need consumer advice, we're here to serve you off-air for free, nine hours a day. If you go to Clark.com and go down the home screen, you'll see a section, Consumer Help and Tools. Click on Consumer Action Center, and you can get that free off-the-air advice.